Cinnabuds, Cinnabuds, two buddies talking about cinema. Welcome. I'm Christopher Pollard from Milwaukee Film. I'm Dory Zori from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee. Yeah, and this is Cinnabuds. And this week on Cinnabuds, we're talking about Mr. Harrigan's phone. Mr. Harrigan, I wish that you were here. I got beat up pretty bad tonight. I want him to get what he deserves. Mr. Harrigan's phone is the story of a young man in a small town who befriends a rich old man. That old chestnut. Uh, <laughs> story is old yeah, as time. You know how rich that, old man played by Donald Sutherland. That's right. And they form a bond over books and and a cell phone, uh, the titular cell phone. Uh, but when the old man passes away, the phone sends messages, con- continues to tell messages. Does it though? Does it? Mm, who knows? <laughs> is it just a glitch? Is it Stephen Kinginess? Okay, so when I, again, didn't know anything about this movie, I just did not like it. Yeah. At all. Wait, before you saw it or while you watched it? While I was watching <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had all the hope in the world before I saw <laughs> yeah. Christopher Pollard. And I guess Stephen King, like, is kind of hit or miss for me. Yeah. I, I didn't think it's what, it's supposed to be like a horror movie, a teen drama. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be too negative, and I know that I can't always be sunshine and lollipops. It's true. I'm kind of delighted that you didn't like it, only just because I like to see it. I was actually, when I got done watching this, I was a little mad. (laughs) That's even better than I could have ever hoped for. You tell me, though. Well, the interesting thing is I did like it, though I am fully aware that most people did it. It's gotten kind of bad reviews. Not, like, earth-shatteringly bad, but not great reviews, and I get the criticisms. The thing for me is that this movie has two things I really like in a movie. One is books. Again, we've talked about it before, but I just like it when movies and books kind of, and they talk about all these classics and he, he, he's uh, employed by the old man, Donald Sutherland, because he wants him to read to him from these classics. And I love that part. And I also, the other thing I love about this movie is revenge. Ooh, revenge is good. love Revenge. Are you not a revenge person in real life? So you like being uh, being entertained by it? On- Legally, I will say yes. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't. I'm not a, a vengeful person in action, but in my mind, it's like all I'm doing is revenging. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really the first part of the movie I had, I was into all of it. I yeah. was into this relationship between this kid. And um, him spending time at this house because he really didn't have like a super great home life. Right. Right. And um, I don't know where it went terribly bad for me where I just I think I felt more like um, I just didn't believe the story anymore. And so then I was trying to watch it just for the cinematic parts. And I mean, it looked really cool. Yeah. It's interesting. I will talk about, we'll talk, I guess, more in the podcast about some of the details of why it was good or bad, but probably bad. Uh, but I do have some thoughts on why. And yet I still sort of enjoyed those things. I love that. It was weird. It was a weird, after I watched it, I felt weird about it. Like I'm torn because I recognize this, but I also liked this. Well, and stand up for what you like. Yeah. Man. There's no, that's wonderful. Not going to hurt anybody. Maybe you'll change my mind by the end of this podcast. I'm just locking Mr. Harrigan's phone. Not going to hurt anybody. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, we're going to talk uh, more about the film, um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what else we've been watching right after this. So stick around. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the Honor System. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. All right. Now we are back and we are still talking about Mr. Harrigan's phone. I will say this. Maybe the worst title. It, well, yeah. And you know, I had a hard time remembering his name when I was looking it mm -hmm. up. And I was like, Mr. Harrigan's phone sounds so boring. Yeah. You, I, one of the things that um, my hubs and I really like is when they actually use the title of the movie oh, yeah. as dialogue. <laughs> and I think that that might have happened at one point, And that was maybe the highlight for me. <laughs> I hear a ringing. What is it? I think it's Mr. Harrigan's phone. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. NC. <laughs> so, yeah, in the film... Um, you have a young man and uh, and an old man, Donald Sutherland, and he hires this boy to come read to him. And that part, I think you're like that part, the relationship you were enjoying that part too. I right? was, yeah. yeah, I was too. And again, I just liked hearing the passages, and I liked what they did on the screen where they put the title of the book he's reading on the screen, yes, as if. This is important. You guys should all know what books he's reading to this old man. Well, I kept thinking I need to remember these books because it's going to come back sometime in the plot. That's a good point. Like if you do that, I was just delighted that they were showing these books. I didn't think about, but it does sort of seem like, oh, we'll need to know that that'll be a clue or something. But I don't think it was a clue. I don't think it was either. Disappointment number one. <laughs> That's a big thumbs down. So here's one of the reasons that I think people think it's bad and that I'm still fine with. Which is that, and we've talked about this in other episodes, when you take make a tonal shift in a movie, especially like halfway through a movie, usually that's a bad thing. That has historically been like, people say, oh, I don't know, this film doesn't know what it wants to be. It starts off as this relationship and like, yeah, like you said, like a um, coming of age film. And then it turns into a mildly spooky, not really horror, but more like supernatural film. Mm -hmm. And- there are movies that have started to do this really well. Parasite is a great example. Yes. Parasite makes a couple of shifts thematically sort of, um, and that it was incredibly successful and works really well. I can see why this didn't, and what? yet I was still fine with it. I don't know why. I think I was just on board no matter what. So I'm not a great case study for this. Well, at one point when it shifted, I was thinking, is this about is this movie really about technology and like the downfall of the world oh, with yeah. with t with cell phone and advanced technology and then I was like was this made by Verizon funded by Verizon I don't know I couldn't just wrap <laughs> yeah. my I was looking for meanings of why this movie was yeah. made and why I wasn't getting the point and then my mind was just wandering It was also it the opposite too it was also very anti-technology while also like oh you're using this technology and maybe you could hear the dead through your texting but also it showed immediately showed how this man who'd never dealt with technology, he gets this phone, he be, immediately becomes obsessed, obsessed. with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To the point where he may be using it in the afterworld. Yeah. I do really like that. Although yeah. spoiler alert in the beginning, I was pretty sure that the phone was snatched out of his pocket by the funeral director oh. that poked his head in. But then that wasn't really where the story right. went either. So yeah. I guess good on 
Stephen King for leading me in the wrong direction. Yeah. And I don't know if, and it's also hard to tell with Stephen King, if that was even a part of the movie, because Mm -hmm. some Stephen King, we were talking about earlier, it's hit or miss because, well, I don't know, because I would say one of the reasons it's hit or miss is that it really depends on who takes a Stephen King story Mm -hmm. and then makes it. Because some people do a terrible job with it and some people, you know, make it into The Shining or, you know, even though Stephen King, I think, famously hated The Shining. <laughs> do you think that a lot of young directors and, and artists um, like Stephen King is kind of that baseline? If you can get your hands on oh, Stephen right. King work, whether it's a novella or a short story yeah. or a very famous book, like you feel like you've kind of accomplished something. I wouldn't be surprised because it's almost guaranteed to get. He is such a built-in audience. You think, well, if I could do a Stephen King, people will at least see it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this one didn't have, I I did read some people saying like, this maybe wasn't the best director to get their hand on, hands on one of the stories. John Lee Hancock. Yeah. Who did like the blind, blind side. and the rookie, saving Mr. Banks. None of those films have a, would lead him to be successful doing this this story. <laughs> Sorry, friends and family of John Hancock. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you're a wonderful person. Stay in your lane. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's interesting the thinking about making this into a movie and maybe you're not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. I can see, like, I get all of the criticisms. I still enjoyed it, but I think it was just a personal connection to a couple of the things in it. Yeah. I think it was a watchable movie, but most people disagree with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're watching it on your couch and you didn't pay any extra for it, I yeah. would say thumbs up, go for it. And then like point counterpoint, I would love to hear a different point of view on this yeah. movie. I think I was just, sometimes I go in expecting something and then when it changes, I have a hard time with that. Maybe that's me. That's yeah. I'm, ex- I'm sharing something I about mean, me. Oh, that happens all the time. I Never shut up about low expectations. I think it's the <laughs> best thing to have. When you go into a movie or read a book, it's just like, don't expect the world, even if everyone on the media is saying, this is the best movie of the year. Like, yeah, just intentionally try to doubt it. Because even if it is bad, you will be like, yeah, either I knew it or, oh, how delighted and surprised I am. How does that translate to our podcast <laughs> listeners? Of yeah. Oh, man, please go in with low expectations when you listen, because hopefully you'll be delighted. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this probably isn't the best introduction to a creepy film night or to a uh, if you're going to have a Stephen King film festival. Maybe this isn't the way to go. If you like books and revenge. I do want to talk about one thing that I thought was interesting about this movie. Oh, yes, please. The bully. So he's uh, this young kid gets, has a bully in the high school that he's at. It was one of the weirdest bullies I've ever seen in a movie. That bully got really close to his face, <laughs> got really close to the kid's face a lot when he was bullying yeah. him. There was definitely an age difference. It seemed like that bully might have been on his like sixth year of yeah. high school. But he, he was also, creepy. He's like a cartoon character creepy. He was the closest to a like a legit. This wasn't a regular teen bully. First of all, yeah, you're right. I think he was in his late twenties, mid <laughs> mid or thirties. He had the look. Like if I were casting director and I was not imaginative at all, I would say, no, you're in the nerdy group in school. Mm-hmm. You are not a tough bully. Right. He was a lot taller than him, but the main character was very small. So it was easy. That's easy to do. But the, he had the look of somebody who's not a tough kid, but what he kudos to the actor who played him. 
he seemed like a straight up psychopath. Yeah. And I really made me think like, I feel like when you do bullies in movies these days, <laughs> it is not like in the old days where you're like, I'm going to make fun of you in front of people. Maybe pull your pants down. It is like, I'm going to kill you. And then I'm going to do worse things. Right. <laughs> like, if you can even imagine he, he, well, he literally said he wanted to kill him, Yep. but he was like shaky. Mm-hmm. He was so intense. I was, that threw me off. I was like, I am so worried about this movie that has so far been kind of mild. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you got this absolute psychopath. Well, maybe they did. Do you think that was a personal, so maybe that was a conscious choice. They yeah. made this kid so bad that all the weird stuff that happened, like I was just waiting for terrible, terrible things to happen because the bully came at him so bad. Yeah. That I guess it kind of makes sense how the movie went in a really weird way. Yeah. Maybe it was supposed to be the transition. I think that's part of that tone where that bully fit a different movie. And then the supernatural things, the revenge that happened, um, those were bad, but they weren't graphic or anything like that. They were still mildly tame for like a modern movie, like a movie we're used to is usually pretty intense. They're like, yeah, people died or people got hurt, but you don't see, you know, <laughs> then you have this bully who's like, oh, you are from a different movie, an HBO series that is late at night. Like pre-Oz. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Prequel to Oz. Yeah, something something Oz-related, Oz-adjacent. Oz adjacent. Um, but yeah, the, he stuck out like a sore thumb to me. <laughs> One of the moments that I did really like and wonder how realistic it is today, which I would imagine is pretty realistic. The kids in the school were separated at lunchtime, not necessarily by groups of who they identified with culturally, oh, yeah. but by the type of cell phones they had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that like a legit thing? I don't imagine so. That seems so specific. <laughs> no, you know what? That's a good point too, because that was a di- another weird tone thing where it seemed to fit a different movie. That almost seemed like a comedy. Yeah, like a clueless yeah, sort exactly. of situation. Right. Oh, the, if you have an Ikea phone, you're over there. Mm-hmm. You have a your iPhone is like the best table to be at. And literally the how it works in this, as soon as you get an iPhone, you can just go sit at that table. Everyone looks to see you have an iPhone and then- all the cute girls will like smile at you. Yeah, that is weird. Okay, I'm really starting to come around to why this movie made no sense. I think I just like two things about it. Three, if you count Donald Sutherland. Books. Revenge. Revenge. Donald, Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. I mean, yeah. he's always a classic. And I mean, man, he played a frail man in there and really he did. Yeah. was frail. Was that his last film before he passed? I don't know. I kept thinking that too. Yeah. Right? He passed away, right? When you just said that, I thought I should know that if he is alive or not, and I don't. Let me tell you, Donald Sutherland is 87 years old and still kicking. My apologies. A big sigh of relief. So we get more Donald Sutherland movies then, hopefully. Bless you, Donald Sutherland. I'm so so (laughs) glad you're still with us. Well, that's good. So we only mildly differ on this movie. Like, I, I 100% can empathize with not enjoying it. As 25% into it, can we use the remainder of our time to maybe talk about Stephen King movies that do stand out in our minds? Oh, please, yeah. Um, The first one that comes to mind for me that I saw when I was very young and impressionable was um, Cujo. My mom loves to show Cujo to my nieces and nephews specifically to terrify them. Does it still hold up to be scary? I don't know that I've seen it in forever. And then Christine. 
Oh the yeah. The car one. So bizarre. Yeah. As as we're talking right now, I'm realizing I have a lot of blind spots because I have not seen Carrie. Ever? It's not yeah. I've also Ooh. never seen Carrie. And there's a new version of it out now. Oh, or is coming there? out soon. Yep. I don't think okay. I'll see it. Okay. Uh, Keep that streak going. <laughs> yeah. Don't think I've seen The Shining. Ugh. Shining is obviously the best, even though he hate Stephen King did not like that movie, that interpretation, because he said it was all tone and no story. Oh, you know what, though? What a tone. It, yeah. What a tone. And just visual. Like, I could watch that movie without any sound on it, and it would still be stunning and terrifying. Yeah. Which is hard to do, I think. I think so, too. I've That is actually a movie I've seen. I've seen five times, three times in the theater. Ooh. Just a weird coincidence in, in two different states. I saw it in the theater. And I hate to plug. We are doing three Stephen King movies in November. We're doing Misery, Ooh, which Kathy is great, Bates. which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. We did The Shining, because you will hear this later. And then Dead Zone with Christopher Walken. What's Dead Zone? He uh, has He's psychic. He can see the future a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. And... It is famously uh, spoofed in a uh, sketch that Christopher Walken was in on Saturday Night Live, which makes it harder to watch the movie and not laugh. But it is still worth watching. It's very much worth watching. Speaking of treasures, Christopher Walken. Oh, yeah. Him and anything. And a young Christopher Walken is fascinating. (laughs) I do want to shout out when I was a kid, I saw Firestarter with Drew Drew Barrymore in was scared because I was a kid, but genuinely thought it was like the edgiest film that I'd ever seen, which very well could have been because I was probably 1981. 10. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see it in the theater. So it was probably, probably mid eighties when I saw it because I don't think we had a VCR until mid eighties. Oh, we were the VCR <laughs> house. So everyone came to watch movies, but George C. Scott is in it too. He plays the villain and it's a, he's really good. I remember he punches someone in the nose so that the bones in their nose go up into their brain and then kill them. Yeah. Which I remembered my entire life that that is a possibility that can happen. <laughs> so you're always afraid of getting punched yeah, in the nose or afraid of like, I can't punch someone in the face. Cause what if I murder them with their nose bones? You're so strong. I'm so strong and violent. <laughs> and violent. Uh, 1996 is the green mile was also a standout Stephen King movie, but very different than yeah. the kind of movies we're talking about right now. Shawshank redemption. Oh yeah, that I guess isn't Shawshank. that surprising. <laughs> I'm always surprised when I remember that's based on a story of Stephen King. That's a brilliant movie. That makes me feel better about Stephen King, and he has written so much in his life. What a fulfilling career he must have. Oh, I didn't know he wrote The Mist. The Mist. I like Sierra Mist. Mist. Oh, delicious! <laughs> one of the most delicious beverages Stephen King's ever made. Um, yeah, and Misery is wonderful. So there's some great ones that have come from him. I'm also looking at some of the real poopers that came out. Hands down, most scary movie for me, Stephen King was it. Though, so, yeah, the original. I didn't even see the remake because the first one scared me so much it's left a scar. Yeah, on my heart. Tim Curry was an upsetting to, was upsetting to look at. Mm. I don't think I saw it when I was, because that came out when I was uh, very weak and (laughs) was scared of everything. And I did not watch horror movies as a kid. Mm -hmm. Like Firestarter was like less of a horror movie, more of like a sci-fi adventure action. It was dark, but yeah, I didn't watch horror movies as a kid much. I don't think my mom knew what I was watching in the basement and I definitely regret it to this day. Um, You were going to mention a couple stinkers though, before we go. The Secret Window. 
with Johnny, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Oh my gosh, that was so yeah, not good. No, it was never came together for me. And it was the thing. I haven't read a lot of Stephen King, honestly. I've read one of his more recent books, and I don't know why I chose that. I should obviously choose a classic, but I am fascinated now with some of the films that have turned into short stories seem fascinating. So I really think maybe I need to like read some of the short story collections. If you guys out there have a Stephen King short story or a full on book that you love that you think is even better than any movie that it turned into, I would love to know that. I need more reading recommendations. Yes, please. Please hit us up on Instagram at Cinebuds Podcast. Join, follow, like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff. But yeah, share us, share with us your favorite Stephen King joint. I like it. Can we say that? Sorry, Spike. And then also last recommendation is the documentary Room 237 is a fascinating and somewhat over-the-top documentary about the making of and the interpretations of The Shining. Because in the movie The Shining, Room 237 was the room you don't go into. Mm -hmm. But it talks a lot about what went into making it, but also some of the hidden um, imagery and references that are in the movie. Some of which seem really far-fetched. There's a great part where they point, they circle a cloud in the sky and they say, this is like an image of like Stanley Kubrick or Stephen King or something. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, no, it's not. There's nothing (laughs) in there to show you that. But um, it is fascinating. Some of it is really interesting. Some of it is like, is that real or is that just like a made up thing? Well, fascinating. it might be real because I look at clouds in a whole new light now since I saw Nope. That is also true. Could be something in there. Could be. Yeah. So uh, what should we do? What else have you been watching? Uh, You do it. I'll do it. Give me, give me, give me something good. All right. What else have I been watching? I did last week. I talked about Village of the Damned. Oh, I do want to talk about, especially since we discovered you watched uh, uh, R100. Yes. Another super weird movie I just watched is called Flux Gourmet. (laughs) <laughs> which is a film, the new, a newer film by Peter Strickland. So Peter Strickland do, has done a series of movies that all have a very dark tone, but and all have a little bit of humor in them. But they're so weird. One was called The Duke of Burgundy, which I have not seen yet. Uh, one was called Barbarian Sound Studio. Um, and at the festival, we had one of my favorites called In Fabric, which is essentially about a haunted dress. Oh. And then how it gets passed along. And that one had definitely had more humor in it than I'd seen from his other movies, which are more just creepy and a little bizarre. But Flux Gourmet, he's gone a lot funnier. Like, it is such an absurd premise. First of all, it is a food art collective. So a gour- <laughs> an art collective that works specifically in food. And it's a very funny um, kind of riff off of intense artist types and how true they are, but this is all to do with food. They put microphones inside of boiling soup pots uh, to get this sound and their performances are very funny. Not funny in a Will Ferrell way. (laughs) Funny in a (laughs) what is going on kind of a way. It gets really gross in a lot of parts, Mm -hmm. but, um, and then you see the, the conflict between the, um, sort of the, um, patron who is funding these performances and then the tr- the artists and then the strife within the company the collective it's very good i'm adding that to my list now it is very good you and sold it the, oh, 
I wish I'm going to look this up real quick, but the woman from Game of Thrones, who is a very tall warrior. With oh, I love her. I'm going to look up her name because I feel bad when I just describe someone and I can't. Which, by the way, name. this I have a terrible time remembering people's names. It's not a sign of any kind of disrespect. I think it's just um, my brain a, can only handle so much stuff. And yeah. names is like I'll remember conversations or music. If you tell me what kind of music you like, I can repeat that back to you. But yeah. Did you names, figure out her name? I did. It is Gwendolyn Christie. Gwendolyn. Oh, it's such a beautiful it's name. It's a beautiful name. But she plays the patron and she's really good. Um, and there's some great actors in it, but it is it's bizarre. It's very bizarre, but ultimately very funny in a very arty way. I love it. I'm going to get freaky and watch yeah. it. <laughs> I would. I would. Should I, I watch it while I'm eating snacks or no. leave the snacks? <laughs> Important question there. Oh, yeah. No. Highly advise you to have eaten, I'd say, a couple hours prior. Okay. And don't plan on eating for the rest of the evening. Thank you guys for listening to Cinebuds. Cinebuds is produced by Nate Imig. Our theme song is done by Brett Newski. Woo! And we couldn't do this without the support of our members at 88.9 and Milwaukee Film. Truly thanks for your support, members. And until next time. We'll see you soon. 